Welcome back to the Quantum Podcast with myself, Ethan Morland, where I aim to speak to high performers about the hows and the whys behind what they do and break it down with them. On today's episode, I have Elliot Rain on the podcast, who is a crypto and blockchain developer from England. And this is a really interesting conversation in my eyes because we spoke at a time where the owner of FTX, a trading platform uh, based in the US, Sam Bankman-Fried, had just been arrested in the Bahamas for scamming customers out of billions and billions of dollars, which had given crypto this really, really bad name and put it in a really bad place. So when Elliot came on, we spoke about the good, the bad, and the ugly sides of crypto. We spoke about the what not to do in crypto. And we also spoke about things such as regulation. Should crypto be more regulated? I gave my side of it. He gave his side of it. Um, And yeah, we just, all things business as well. So his processes over the years, as he's developed himself, as he's built these businesses, such as uh, CryptoDevelopers.io, which is a learning platform as well as a blockchain development platform we also spoke about his habits to keep himself at the top of his game so we talked about things such as his fitness routine how he actually only works three days a week even given as successful as he is um which was really interesting in my eyes because obviously people push at you this 24 7 lifestyle if you want to be successful but elliot uh, really preaches that obviously you need to rest and to be your best you have to rest so it was really interesting to speak to him and I had a really good time speaking to him about his businesses and his life. So thanks, Elliot, for coming on and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Elliot, welcome to the Quantum Podcast. How's it going, mate? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm not. I'm all good. I'm all good. Um, so do you want to tell people a bit about yourself and what you do? Because I think what you do is very interesting and very topical as of now with what's been going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. First of all, thanks, uh, Ethan, for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, I love doing these, and uh, it gives me a chance to, uh, I suppose, give you a, a little bit of an overview into to my crazy life. But um, yeah, I, I'm the founder of Rain Enterprises Holdings. Um, we're a company made up of multiple different entities, um, all targeting the same niche, which is blockchain and uh, the, the the doom word cryptocurrency. Um, so yeah, we, we've got multiple companies within the business. We have a, an education company, which is effectively uh, the thing that I started. Uh, I think it was about 2017. Uh, the first one within the, um, the whole array of companies that we've got, uh, blockchain education. We have a, a development company for blockchain, recruitment company, and um, a venture capital sort of uh, arm to the company as well. So lots to talk about, and um, yeah, I'm excited to share with you. Classmate, um, I want to start really with how you got into cryptocurrency because you're 22, I'm right, or 23? 23, 23. 23, yeah, so you're the same age as me, so and you seem to have been into cryptocurrency for quite a while. So how did you get into that? So I come from a, a tech family. So my, my dad was always in cloud computing, 5G, um, so what happened was I was sort of born into a, an environment where technology was the norm, right? We were talking about technology day in, day out. It was what's the latest and greatest for your birthday, for Christmas. Um, I remember when I was 13 one time, uh, and I got, <laughs> I got like, uh, loads of, you know, sort of birthday money or whatever you get in the cards and, and the old man sold me a TV 
Uh, and I was literally like my entire my entire birthday fund had gone. Uh, and he was like, well, what, what lesson have you learned now? And I was like, well, now I have just a TV, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it, it, even so, I mean, that, was, that was great. But um, like you say, I come from a family that have a background in tech. And so what happened was really, I was uh, I came straight out of school, um, tried and failed at a lot of businesses, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to as well. Um, and then what happened was I, I kind of fell in love with with technology and with and with blockchain specifically. I was researching this was not about sixteen. I was researching a little bit more about cloud computing, um, about who was three G or four G at the time. I can't remember. Um, and I just fell in love with with technology. And, and what happened was it literally said at the side it said people also search for uh, blockchain. So I mean, at the time, like I, I fell in love with blockchain before I knew anything about crypto which is the, the, the difference between a lot of people that get into our industry. They, they fall in love with NFTs, they fall in love with cryptocurrency. And what happens is that blinds them to, to actually what is a fantastic uh, technology that's going to revolutionize a lot of industry. And that's separate from, uh, from, from crypto. So what happened was I, I went down uh, months, if not, <laughs> I'd, probably say, I'd probably say six months worth of, of just learning. I uh, wrote out multiple documents that were 100 plus thousand characters about blockchain, why it has value, why people should sort of give a shit. And um, and, and I got to a point, I'd say a year down the line when I was like 17, um, you know, at that point while I was, I was still sort of going through that learning phase, I was trying everything and I had jobs at the time. Uh, but ultimately I got to a point when it was, I was like, it was 17 or whatever. And I got a year's, I kind of learning under my belt without trying to sell anyone anything or um you know go out as, as a coach or what, whatever that may be it was it was just raw learning because of a you know an extended interest in the project uh well in, in the technology should i say so, so what, what happened was oh, sorry go on i was just going to ask so what is blockchain for those who may not know just so people can get a grasp of what it is and you know why it's this new and upcoming technology so all blockchain is, and I'll get into the practical application of it, is, is, is data, right? So what happens is if you, so let me give you an example. If there's two parties involved that want to send, it can either be you know, a transaction or it can be data. What happens is from party A to party B, there's a certain transaction that happens. So they would say, I want to send $100 to party B. What then happens is, that transaction gets broadcasted amongst what we call nodes in the network and what nodes are is computers that are validating that that transaction is not fraudulent um that it's not sort of it's not bad for the network and once all them computers agree then it gets stored as a block in the blockchain and then party b um, sort of receives their their, their, their currency or their, their, their crypto or whatever now it's not just that's a practical application that's that's transactions right but you can use blockchain for many different things when it comes to uh, you know storing of data because once the block has sort of encrypted that data and stored it on the blockchain you've now got a record of uh, a transaction or of uh, something that's happened it could be for example supply chain management right so you may create a blockchain for the milk that came from the cow right the way through to when the consumer is actually drinking the milk, right? So what you've got then is you've got a storage, a data storage records, should I say, or, or like say, a, 
like a roadmap of where it's come from and you can validate each step of the process using the blockchain because it's encrypted, it's public data and uh, you can't tamper with that information. Um, there are issues around <laughs> around hacks and stuff that, that when things are not set up correctly or that the networks are too small. Um, but ultimately, it's a lot more secure than, for example, a cloud database or, or whatever that may be. Um, but we're going through that stage right now where I, I was listening to a talk earlier this week and it's fantastic how he put it. But um, what happened was he was saying that what we are right now is we're in that building blocks phase. So we're building the train tracks for the train that's effectively going to leave the station right now. But what, what a lot of people are doing right now is focusing on building the shops, the hotels at the end of the train line that make some money, right? But right now we're in that infrastructure phase. So we're building traction, we're building technology, and effectively in the future, what's going to happen is once the tracks are laid, everyone's going to get on the train, and then people are going to make money at the other end with with commerce and with the hotels or, or whatever they choose to sell at the other end, right? Um, so right now it's, it's that building phase where technology is developing, you know. So the way I sort of see crypto and blockchain and everything like that is, like you said, it's like a it's like a railway where the track hasn't yet been built properly. So there's all these yep. cities. The, probably the best example is Australia. There's all these cities dotted across the country with very little to connect them in terms of on the land. Like it's so hard to get between places. And I think with blockchain and all that sort of stuff, it's at the minute, it's very hard to get you know one thing to another, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I suppose, physical. Um, there are a lot of cool projects that are going on. I was involved in one, actually, um, like smart cities projects, so connecting cities together using technology, um, what things like Internet of Things, using blockchain to store and sort of distribute that data. Um, so there's loads and loads of cool stuff going on, but in terms of, like, an analogy for where we are right now, um, it's an infrastructure game, like, whoever's building the best technology that's you know user friendly and allows people to use it easily um is winning right now from obviously crypto you've created this larger agency sort of well enterprises these larger enterprises which obviously have different smaller businesses uh to do with crypto and to do with blockchain but you obviously didn't start out in crypto and blockchain so where did you start in terms of as an entrepreneur so came out of school um i have i have sort of adhd so i um i, I say i tend to need to put my brain to focus to something otherwise it just wanders um, and what happens is uh, i came out of school uh, i started i did like a college sort of like six weeks it, it was it was like a two-year trailblazer thing i did uh, with the coffee company but uh quite long story short i ended up doing it in, uh, finishing in six weeks because of my ability to, to, to sort of hyper focus um what happened while i was learning doing all that sort of stuff uh, i actually started an events company at the time i had no capital at all uh, with one of my best friends uh, we were doing like corporate events and we were just trying to get money through the door right and, and what happened what well, failed with that you know we failed with it completely but it, it was a great experience um and then what happened was i was able to come away from that with all this experience not much cash <laughs> you know all this experience and uh, and roll that over into into when i founded um, 
the first crypto company, which was the education company. Um, the it, it's quite funny because I spoke to Joe about obviously your events company, EJ Events, and he was saying the way that you came to the decision to do the events business was how can we start a business without any money? That was yeah. the main question. Um, so yeah. he told me about how you got it off the ground, how you got your first client and all that sort of stuff. But how did you find it when obviously COVID hit and all of a sudden this business is just nil, non-existent anymore? So, I mean, for me, so financially at that point, it was okay. It was okay. Um, the reason why I say that is because we'd, we'd both ran other things as well that were able to generate cash at the same time. Now, what happened was with that is we we just had to we just had to dissolve the company. Um, you know there was nothing we could really do. The company was not going to be able to operate anymore, um, and so it was really a transition from. And, and Joe will probably tell you the same what he did at his side. Uh, it was a transition from you know one of the companies we'd been operating to focusing full time on on sort of you know other endeavours, which for me uh, was the education company, it was the crypto education company. So. What was, I feel like you're a kind of person who do like, obviously you have this larger enterprise, but with smaller businesses involved with it. So you seem like a person who doesn't just put their, all their eggs into one basket. You put them into multiple. So why do you do that? And why is that important to you to not just go for one thing and one thing only? So let me give you the, the reason why these companies are structured the way they are. It's not, someone just coming out and going to build a hotel from from day one building all these companies to look fantastic there's a there's a strategic and tax efficient way to do this okay when you you have multiple different companies I suppose under one company now what i did effectively was i got into crypto education 2018 and we I scaled that up to a point where we was you know we're making like 100 grand a month um with multiple people coming onto the program we've taught of sort of 2000 people these days uh, to, to to learn about crypto and learn about what it is. And what happened was I, I quickly realized in, in 2020 that a lot of the money, I suppose, in the, in the actual game was going into the technology, right? So we were running this education company about, you know, what is crypto and why it has value. But I was then also speaking to a lot of startups, a lot of corporates that were wanting to go from where they are to get into blockchain and take advantage of Web3 and not just be it typical traditional web two business and so what happened was i realized that my time was better placed speaking with these corporates about technology and actually building technology so what happens was in 2020 i made a transition from the education company sort of spending all my time creating content all the time and i ended up giving that to my team there's team seven that run that now um and i focused one hour a week on that company to do the coaching call weekly right now what happened was in 2020 I was having all these major conversations and um, a lot of these companies were coming to me and they were saying, look, we want to build blockchain. We don't know how to do it. So for me, that was like, you know, number one, it makes me realize the major problem in the industry, which is that blockchain talent is just few and far between. Uh, and number two is major opportunity for us because wherever there's a problem, there's a solution, right? So what happened was I approached a, a development company, Web2 development company that had been operating for, for some time. They had a lot of experience with uh, building applications, uh, building technology, you know, you name it, they, they could do it, right? And they've worked with some really, really big companies in the Web2 world. And basically what happened was I, I approached them and I said, look, there's a lot of 
opportunity here in Web3 and, and building on blockchain. Let me deal with the front end of the business, bringing the clients in. All I need from you guys is for you guys to service these clients. Okay, so we, we joined forces and created a company called CryptoDevelopers.io. So we rank number one on Google. We've got over 100 developers in the company, uh, offices in Georgia, Leeds, Mayfair, London. You know, we've got quite, quite a big company now. Um, and what happened was we started building like major, major solutions for corporates. So, you know, your Facebook, Samsung, Intel, Dell, uh, invisible friends in the crypto world, uh, who else? Uh, the lofts, anybody's, um, which are all like big crypto names, Axie Infinity. So what happened was we started working with all these big, big players, not only in Web3 and crypto, but actually in Web2 about using blockchain technology. And one of the camera, I'm a very, very fast paced mover. So I, I always identify the problems to find the solutions. If, if things are working, okay, I'll continue throwing the, the kitchen sink at them until things break so I can find a way to, to make them better. Now, what happened was we were getting to a point in 2021, we, we, I mean, we scaled that company to 100K a month in less than six months, you know, um, and we'll probably hit a million a month next year, I would say. But what happens is, um, a lot of the companies we work with in this space, especially on the more crypto side, we have a, a fine balance in our company between the companies we build blockchain for, nothing to do with crypto, corporate companies, and the companies that we were building cryptocurrencies for, NFTs for, um, you know, the more sort of decentralized applications, uh, marketplace, whatever it may be, right? What I realized on the crypto side of the business, which was a major problem, was a lot of these companies don't have uh, have capital, right? Because they're not existing businesses that are generating cash. So the main problem, number one problem in industry is raising capital, okay? Is raising capital to be able to inject into your company, build technology, hire staff, um, and build a company that's a new Airbnb or, or an innovative thing, right? So what we did was, and I positioned myself and went out to many banks, many venture capital funds, um, started putting my, allocating my own money into the market to help these, these funds, uh, and sorry, not these funds, but these startups get off the ground. And what happens with, we, we built these um, these deal flows with, with these banks and with these venture capital funds. And I got the name as, as, as a venture, venture scout, right? So what happens is I'd go out and I'd find companies, I do this today, find companies that have got promise, that have got a good pitch deck, a good solid business plan, a good team, good technology, and we fund them, okay? So what happens is we will fund them, uh, whether it's sort of anything from 500 grand right the way up to sort of $100 million, um, which is effectively like an equity raise, we'll use partners to come into that raise and, um, you know, let them allocate. But then we also started looking at the sort of debt side of things. So we've got partners who can allocate up to like a billion dollars a month into companies, okay? And property companies that might be using blockchain and technology, right? Now, what happened is there, and this is, this is where the, it all fits together. You kind of get a self-fulfilling ecosystem where, where our clients come to us as a holding structure. They can learn crypto, they can develop crypto, uh, they can fund crypto. Sorry, if I just start again. So they can learn crypto, they can then fund projects in crypto. They can then develop with projects with crypto with us, right? And then we've got a final company in the group, which is actually the recruitment company. So they can develop the company by, you know, using us for the technology. But then what about if they need a CTO or they need, um, you know, more marketing experience? So that's where I went into business with another recruitment company who help us to recruit for these guys as well, you know, and scale the company. They've got a marketing arm, so they help companies scale through marketing. So effectively what we've got in within the companies, and I'll talk about the tax side of things in a moment, is multiple different stations 
that these clients can go to to grow their company and it becomes an accelerator okay and, and what happens is we we can take them from the point of not knowing anything about blockchain to funding to developing to scaling and and they're with us the entire time we've had multiple companies that, that come through this system and we can redistribute profits amongst the holding structure uh, into different companies which is very tax efficient very very uh <laughs> very challenging from an accounting side of things but um you know it works so that, that that's that's us but the way i see it and, I, and i'm very very simple at its core the way i see it is all the companies are targeting the same individual or the same company right and the same icp or ideal customer profile tech companies that are using blockchain you know web3 companies using blockchain whatever right that is very very tunnel vision so the way i see it is we have multiple companies but it's only multiple different products right and it keeps it very very simple so we're not we're not going after multiple different industries because then your focus is very very split it's laser focused on the same customer but we're giving them different solutions throughout their life cycle which in, increases their customer value to us but it increases it in, uh, increases the amount of time they spend with us as well you know there's so much going on in this business is that like you've i feel like you've got every single base covered but to take it back to the beginning where did you get your first client how did you get your first client and how did you manage to persuade someone to go with you with their business to obviously help develop them or even just to you know in terms of the crypto development for the teaching people about it all how did you get those first clients in I can't even remember. <laughs> it's probably a bit, yeah, not good of me, but I can't even remember the first client I got. Um, I think it comes down to the the three principles uh, that I follow when it comes to to business. I think number one is um, sort of integrity, so never promising something you can't deliver on. So having that integrity behind everything I do to a high standard. Um, excellence, so being head and shoulders above every competition um and, and obviously tr trustworthy as well right so they're the values that i i carry day to day with me and any client i speak to and, I'm, and even back in the day when i spoke to clients and prospects or whatever um i don't do any sales now it's all a sales team but uh, back in the day what i did was uh, i would go out i'd meet them conversation coffee work out their goals and then i'd come back with it with a solution but what i did was is the solution would be uh, not underselling it but it'd be a very very win-win offer for this client right so that to the point that that it almost couldn't go wrong so i was saying look you know if this doesn't get delivered this way i can contractually say to you that you get your money back okay uh, and that was the way i did it i removed the risk for this client and eventually over time prices got larger the risk reversal is still there to make sure that everyone's happy and they're getting what they need and, and they feel comfortable but maybe I wouldn't take the same risks that I did back then because there's a lot of scrutiny around guarantees and things. Or maybe you didn't cross an eye there, so I want to. So, so I don't really do any of that anymore. But I feel for anyone that's starting out, you need to, if you are selling something that ultimately provides most of the risk on the client, you need to de-risk that. If I'm making an investment in a company, I look for multiple different things in that company that de-risk that investment for me that gives me low downside and high upside. And that's how I operate with anything. So you need to put yourself in your customer's shoes uh, to understand what gets them out of bed and how you can de-risk any potential financial commitment for them. 
You say about the low downside, high upside, but you're in an industry where there can be a lot of downside and very little upside if you get it wrong. So how do you get people to, you know, put their money into these things where we've seen with, you know, Terra Luna, we've seen with FTX recently, Mm. things can just plummet in a matter of minutes. And there's, you know, people like I myself, I'll be honest, with the whole Terra situation, I lost multiple thousand. And it was heartbreaking, yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. So how do you get people to put this money into these different things? So I'm always really real, right? So there's a, there's a few things I can't control and things like FTX, things like Terror, you know, I, I physically cannot control them. You can forecast them and potentially, uh, I dare even say, you know, you can forecast them, but you, you probably can't because, you know, anyone that, that knows, enough i would say or delves enough into it may be able to but not the average person who's just got a crypto portfolio so i say you can't forecast it but there are people that have now what i would say is for my role it's not about you know especially on the crypto side of things in the education company my role isn't about telling you you need to do this okay because ultimately any person we work with they've already made that mental transition in their mind that this is something i want to do i've seen a lot about it online all we're doing is providing a bridge between where they are and where they want to be that's not me saying to you i'm going to uh change your environment and you know if you pay me a, a, I don't know, a hundred thousand pounds for a week i can sit down with you for a week and i can change your environment quite easily right very very easily but if we're providing education to people, I'm not there to lift and shift your house or lift and shift you. I'm there to give you the bridge, you know, and you put in the work, right? Now, that's just the crypto side of things. So for me, this market is very unpredictable. Of course it is. You know, we, we operate in a market right now. We operate in an industry right now that's very, very infant. Okay, So what happens is you look at the, the dot-com era. There was many people raising capital. Many people lost money. Many people made money. We had a lot of large companies, pardon me, the largest companies on the planet come out of that. Okay. Um, so for me, in, in my industry, it's all about, you know, making sure you de-risk it for yourself by being diversified. If you are investing in the in the world of crypto, you know, I probably lost thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in a day on on um on Luna as well, right? You know, it, it's it's quite heartbreaking. I'm not superhuman in this space. To say the least, but mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've lost a lot of money on that too, right? But what I did have in place, which is what a lot of people miss, is hedging, is having diversification amongst multiple different assets that meant that that $50,000 or whatever, I don't even know what the number was, I'd made far more elsewhere to even care. You know, it felt like I'd drunk a coffee, but I'd lost 50 grand. You know, like it felt like I'd spent it on a coffee because, and that's not to, 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 to belittle certain things, but because other things have been hedged and, and diversified and invested in, they made it insignificant as an investment. And I wasn't over leveraged in that investment, okay? Which really, really is the key. Um, now, again, when it comes to the investment side of things, yes, really cool. I've done it all. I've traded things. I've invested things. I only, you know, invest in things long-term now because it's companies running. Um, but ultimately, it comes back down to that in business, you know? A lot of people will put all their eggs in one basket. Okay. Now this is there's, a, there's actually a, a contrary to what I'm saying here because I am a firm believer in if you are starting out, you should have one product and one product only. Okay, and sell that and get it get cash flow. But there's also a problem when it comes to if you're starting a company and you're putting all your eggs into 
a basket that may fall down, or if I were putting all my eggs into the crypto world basket, which can very easily change overnight, I didn't have any skin in the technology, which is a growing, as we know, market, that would be my fault, okay? Because I would take responsibility if the crypto market come down, I lose 80% of not only my investments, but 80% of my revenue over six months because no one's interested in crypto anymore. That's no one's fault apart from mine, okay? So that's why we don't just help blockchain, uh, sorry, don't just help crypto companies with blockchain. We help the technology companies that are wanting to leverage blockchain to get into blockchain and utilize it effectively to increase their bottom line revenue that they may already be spending elsewhere on servers, etc. Right? That's very, very powerful because that has nothing to do with crypto at all. Crypto can fall down and come off planet Earth, but blockchain still lives. Okay, and our company still grows; it still flourishes. You know. So why do you, why do the two become so interchangeable? Like, if you, uh, I feel like if in general population, if you think about blockchain, it's crypto. That's just how yeah. it is. Why is that? So all you got, what you got to think about is blockchain is the pan, right? So blockchain and crypto. So blockchain can operate without crypto. Crypto cannot operate without blockchain, right? So blockchain is the pan. Crypto is the egg, right? So you, you can't fry the pan with the egg, right? <laughs> you probably try, but you can fry the egg with the pan, right? Yep. Now, what you got to take into account is blockchain. The pan still survives without the egg. The egg doesn't get made into a, a fried egg without the pan, okay? Unless you try weird stuff but uh whatever now uh, the idea is here is that blockchain and crypto crypto is a practical application of blockchain i can go into a company and i can take blockchain and i can say okay well you guys are using cloud right now for your data storage how can we utilize blockchain that's going to spread up all that different data into multiple nodes in the network making the security larger okay by using you know the blockchain itself and also your your transparency to customers to internal uh, resources looking at the the actual data and being able to access it and make it more accessible which is going to cut your cost by x amount or maybe you increase your uh, capabilities uh, by x amount and increase your revenue nothing to do with blockchain uh, nothing to do with crypto sorry that's everything to do with blockchain i'm not going into them saying right okay listen guys i've got a massive cryptocurrency coin or project uh, and you know that this is going to help your company operate. No, I mean there are op applications where I can go into a company, I can give them a net, I can say, well, I'll create an NFT that's a nectar card, and you're going to be paid out in rewards. I'm going to use NFT. Cool, really, really good. But what about if crypto comes down? How do, where does that leave that, that blockchain uh, sort of arm to the company? They need to have this blockchain infrastructure. This is big company talking. You know, I deal with a lot, a lot, a lot of corporate clients. And uh, they're not interested in crypto. They're interested in blockchain. Okay, crypto is the sexy side of blockchain. They're interested in the deep end technology of it. Exactly. Not at the face of it. So I actually, I want, just before we move on from like this, you know, whole crypto thing, what's your opinion on these YouTubers and people like that who are selling coins to people with sometimes misinformation, sometimes too little information? obviously to benefit themselves and then yeah. eventually people lose money. They make money. What is your opinion on that? So I, I have a lot of YouTuber friends, like a lot of people in Dubai, which do YouTube full time. Um, that's their way to make money. 
uh, and I'm happy with that. You know, I'm happy that they're doing that. I have my own opinions, and I would never judge anyone for doing that because you got to do what you got to do. Plus, you know, who are you to know? If you're a content creator and you're getting approached, you know, with people saying, "I'll give you ten grand for a feature or whatever, twenty, thirty, for for, for a five minute video." Um, some of them do due diligence and say, no, I like a lot of those guys. And then, you know, a lot of my friends do that. I work with on this stuff and I see that. So, but you see a lot of these guys who will just take any paycheck. Okay. Um, this is specifically re the reason why I probably stayed off of YouTube. Um, you know, if, if we wanted to have a channel with a hundred thousand, 200,000, 400,000 subscribers on YouTube, we very, very easily could. Okay. But having an audience like that, it becomes very, very consuming. You end up making content all the time and you spend less time thinking about the technology and where it's going. Um, and, and you become a lot more pro YouTube than pro blockchain. Not a blanket, not everyone's like this. I've got a few friends that are fantastic. But what happens is you just look for the paycheck. You look to get paid on YouTube and that's it. Now, I think that's wrong. And the reason why that is, is because like you said, a lot of people that are going to YouTube as a source of information, then take that as Bible. And then what they do is they invest in each project. Now, I think this is a two-way problem. I think number one, if someone goes to YouTube and invests in a project uh, that an influencer has said bye, they are fucking absolutely stupid. And the reason why I say that is because they need to take responsibility for that investment. It's no one's prob problem that they've taken their own initiative to invest in something off the back of something else. They can't blame anyone. It's their fault, majorly their fault, because they should be doing their own research. They should be looking at these uh, things online that, that give them the resources to be able to debug if something's a scam. They should be learning about tokenomics, should be learning how to read white papers. And they can debug it themselves in an hour if it's a scam. And then all they're doing is leveraging YouTube uh, to, to, to help their, their narrative that they've built up in their mind, okay? For me, YouTubers are not really doing anything wrong. They're getting a big paycheck, yes, okay? And I do disagree with a lot of it. And I've seen how it works. Marketing companies, they just pay these influencers. They say, shill it, get people in the community. They then sell their ICO, they then sell their NFT, and it's a self-fulfilling cycle, right? So my opinion on it, personally, is I stay away from it. And the reason why that is, is because my day-to-day -day is learning, um, you know, more about the blockchain and practical application and changing the world with it than creating videos about it, okay? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a two-double-edged sword, I would say. But then equally, those YouTubers that are coming into the scene and the thing that really, really, really frustrates me, and, and I, I see it a lot, is you get these YouTube channels who sort of, they'll blanket themselves as like, uh, it's all about uh, investments and education or whatever and, and entrepreneurship. And they talk about nothing to do with crypto or anything for like a whole year or two years that we're in a bear cycle. And then the moment they get a little sniff, then they just take all the all the, all the, ad, the ad, uh, advertising budgets from com companies and become this crypto guru. They'll change the banner on their crypto on the, to, to crypto, and uh, they'll they'll be a crypto god for like six months to a year, right? Uh, that's wrong, and the reason why I say that is because they're not going through the tough times as a crypto YouTuber as well in the blockchain world. They're just jumping on the bandwagons and the hypes, you know. Um, we saw it with and and bear in mind, I like Gary Vee. I think he's very very good. 
but he's a marketer, right? And then he became this crypto mogul overnight about NFTs, all this sort of stuff. And we don't really hear much about it anymore because the market's down. And I'm sure it'll be back. I'm sure a lot of them, the other ones will be back. Um, I think that's very, very bad for the space and very poisoning. But ultimately, my view on it is anyone that gets hurt from watching YouTube videos, it's their responsibility. I think, it, like, like you said, it is quite poisoning for the space because what really pisses me off more than anything is when people all of a sudden now care about crypto and make out that crypto is the be all and end all of life. And then all of a sudden it's a bear market and they don't want anything to do with it. Exactly. I think, exactly. I think it really, really puts it in a bad space. And until that is resolved, I think they'd be then coming to a bit of an issue where every single time there's a bear market, it goes back to square one again. Exactly. Exactly. And, and ultimately the way I see it is, Every single time we have this bear market, the technology doesn't stop the, be the better projects that, that stay around. It continuously stays the same. Now, what happens with the way that the, the market operates is things become, become like severely overvalued and then they become severely undervalued, right? And that's because of supply and demand, fear and greed, manipulation of the market. But the actual technology of these good companies doesn't stop. Now, the caveat to that, once again, is the companies that are ready for the markets to come down have enough reserves to, to withstand. Companies that are not ready, so, for example, you know, I mean, it was more of a crook thing with the looming thing, but, um, you know, companies that aren't ready for it, they get demolished by the market because you get companies that are, I was looking at Sandbox. I can't remember their, um, I mean, they're great. I was, I was with Sandbox this week on Monday in, in London. But um, their, their market capitalization was like over $9 billion or something. Now it's about billions. So they lost like 90% of the value or whatever. Um, you know, companies have got to be ready for doing that. They've got to have enough cash reserve to maintain. So not have to lay off all these people and say, you know, you come back maybe potentially when the market's back. Um, you know, they should have these reserves to operate as a, as a growing enterprise, growing economy, um, and be ready for that. And, and the cycles happen, they, they rhyme, they, they happen time and time again. The market goes up, it comes down, it goes up a higher, it comes down. It, it just happens, right? I can go into the technical things behind it, but, but in its simplest form, that's how it operates. You know, we lose 80% of its value, then the market grows higher, okay? And then we lose another 80%, and then it grows higher. And then over future, we might lose 70%, 60% and go higher, and then 40% and go higher. You know, it, that's, a, that's a growing, maturing market. And eventually we'll get to a point where we won't have these major dives in the market. We'll be continuously, you know, growing nicely. Um, but in such a new sort of sphere as such, you've got to be able to have enough cash reserves and be future-proofed enough to, to maintain your company throughout this time, um, you, which is important. Do you ever believe that the the crypto space you know all the all that side of it is going to become similar to the stock market where you know it's going to be heavily regulated the you know we aren't going to see price shifts like we do where it can be you know literally a 99 percent reduction in price overnight mm. um do you think it will become this you know heavily taxed heavily heavily regulated thing where actually there's a lot less problems to do with people losing the livelihoods with it. Yes. Um, this has been one of my main focuses for the past couple of months is the regulatory surrounding of crypto. Um, is, is how things are going to change when regulation comes. I, I really, really am pro-regulation. 
Um, not a lot of people are. I think they will be very, very good for the space. It'll stop a lot of the uh, the bad things that are happening. It'll piss off a lot of the people that um, potentially were making a lot more money before regulation came. It will, it will do that. But you know, with any regulation, there's losers and there's there's winners. You know. Um, but I think it will get to a point where in an illiquid market right now, we're very volatile, like ridiculously volatile. Uh, when regulation comes, we'll bring a lot more bigger players into um, you know, the world of blockchain and even the world of crypto. And and what happened is we, we will mature as a market. These major, major pumps and dumps um, you know, will become much shorter, much less effective. And um, you know we will get that real curvature as a as a growing and maturing market. But right now, um, you know it, it is it is the wild west. We are moving upwards at a rapid rate, but we're also moving downward at a rapid rate, which is great for the volatile uh, investor. I love it, right? It's not amazing for people that are getting destroyed by it. But the reason why I love it is because I've spent hours and hours and hours since I was sixteen year old understanding it, right? It's not good for the person who's getting straight into it. It's not easy to understand. There's so much things going on um, that they can't take advantage of, of you know, dollar cost averaging and uh, being able to being able to read things from day dot. They kind of got help, but um, you know, it's very very challenging. I think that will be really really good when that stops and we become more of a, a mature market. Uh, people can you know take risks on certain projects. Uh, without having so much downside and it's a lot less, uh, you know, crazy, the market movement. Um, but yeah, the regulation is, is is something I'm looking at quite a lot recently and I think it'll be great for the space, I do. So what would your three lessons for someone who's getting into crypto be? So I think number one would be just pair it with someone who's been in the market before. Um, you know, speak to someone who you know you may follow them for, for years and end um you know you've always got that one person i wouldn't just go out and find a random person but just find someone you can you sort of can trust and, and, and follow don't follow what they do but just follow the the things that made them successful you know it's like anything um number two is and this is a probably a so you say crypto but i i would even argue for anyone getting into crypto i would take a look at, at blockchain as a whole right so that's my sort of main piece of advice I would say is don't limit yourself to, to just crypto. Crypto is fantastic. It's the sexy side of blockchain, but the amount of money available, um, less risk in blockchain as opposed to a uh, very, very up and down income sometimes with crypto is, is catastrophically amazing. You, know, you, you can research a little bit about blockchain probably for a few weeks and have enough knowledge to go into a corporate company and put a presentation together about why blockchain can help the company. You can get paid five or ten thousand dollars for just for doing that for one day. You know, that's that's powerful. That doesn't rely on crypto. That's about blockchain. You're a consultant then. Uh, so that's number two. And um, number three, uh, I would say leverage leverage your your surroundings within this market. Right, leverage um, you know as much information as you can. Uh, take in as much information as you can, but also leverage other people and build communities that, that you can thrive in. What I mean by that is like my, the reason we're able to, the, you know, my companies are able to to operate at such a high level 
is because of leverage. It's because of being able to identify talented individuals and harness their efforts to give them what they want as a person in terms of their goals that will all align everyone in a certain type of way, right? So if you have those, if you someone gets them out of bed and they want to make 100 grand a year, but in order for them to make 100 grand a year, they make you a million dollars a year, you're able to leverage them, giving them what that you want, what they want, and, you know, more probably more than what they want with the freedom and stuff you can give them, okay? And you, they're giving what you want, okay? And that's that's for me how, how you operate. We, we got into the venture capital world. We didn't have a fund, but what we did do is find people, you know, and companies and funds and, and build it, built up these, these infrastructures with these funds that started to fund our projects and eventually got to the point where we started investing in projects ourselves because we learned the process properly. So that's a perfect example of, of, of leverage. These funds leverage does because what happened where we were providing them fantastic deals to invest into in, in Web3, we leveraged them because it gave us a foot into the door with venture capital, with investing in companies. We also made money on the fees, etc., for investing in companies, and we also got to develop. So that's why we were happy. That's a win-win environment where we leveraged each other. That's one of the most important things to growing. And I'm sure companies will, when we open a $100 million fund or whatever, companies will leverage us, okay? They will, of course they will. That is one of the most important things to to grow a really, really successful company is, is leverage. So you created the company Planet Crypto, which is obviously an online learning platform for people so they can understand their market trends, how to utilize those kinds of things, how to, you know, all the basics. Um, and you offer ten, five courses now, and I think it's 10 or five to be released. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's probably, I think there's about 15 courses on the platform um, so, yeah, as of right 15, now. And so yeah. 15 courses for people to learn from. And I think what it, like from what I've had a look of, it looks fantastic. But from that, you've uh, you put on the website uh, 250% average profit for your of your clients so there's two parts to this question so a is what made you want to teach people about this space and why and b how did you get to a point where you can now put it out there like we have a 250 percent average profit across across our clients so i mean planet cryptos it's always been my baby right because it's the, it was the first company i ever created in blockchain Right, so there's 800 plus educational videos on there. That's been a combination of weekly coaching, call recordings, market forecasts, the courses, and and what happened was since 2017, we have we got data. Right, so what happened was we we, we managed to get data of all our clients who work with. There's probably been about 2,000 with 2,000 plus of them. We got data and we just started collecting feedback as to well, you know, how have you done this year? How have you done this month? And you know, it's like anything. We just took the mean. We looked at what's the average that we we've been getting, and we were able to put that into the marketing language because it's 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 true, right? So that was what that was how we did that, and the, the reason why we were able to achieve that for the clients coming through was de-risking every single trade that they're making and and effectively and an investment they're making by using strategy. Okay, so only we only you know ever teach it's very hands off for me because we I don't really it's all educational content right people digest and they do it in their own time. What we're able to do were 
we have three strategies, one investment, uh, two investment, one trading. <clears throat> People learn it at their own rate. They come in, a, they come onto the weekly coaching or with the coaches, and they help them out. And if they've got any problems, they'll ask them uh, about the market. And it's that support element, I think. You get a lot of people who and companies who create companies and education platforms seeing only the upside available. Now we don't. We, we we invest in our coaches so that you know everyone's supported with the educational content. If someone sat through every single piece of educational content on our platform, they'd be there for weeks, weeks. Um, and, and that's that's great. There's probably 900 videos, like I said, that I've created over time. But it's very hands off for me now. Is that, and we can we can guarantee them results because we've got that support element of things. I play I pay coaches. It's a passion project for me. Is uh, is the education company because we pay the coaches, and it, I don't really make much money. Well, I say it made a lot of money, but I invest a lot of that money back into the community, right? Um, because it helps people. So, uh, yeah, that that's that's how we were able to use that in the marketing language. Um, CryptoDevelopers.io is um, obviously our development company. That's that's a lot more of my focus. You know, we've got an organisation there. We've got to manage people. We've got to pay salaries. We've got to look after you know all these different things. Uh, so I have to deal with with people a lot more on that side of things to to because livelihoods are at stake in in our company as well as much as the education guys that are changing their own future, right? Um, and so crypto developers.io, you know, growing massively. But uh, my main focus is funding companies because whatever company we fund, they go through crypto developers.io and we, we, we grow them through the development. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say there's multiple streams here. Um, and, and obviously the, the education company is very much the passion project here. If, I, I feel like it's the foundation of it because by educating people then get into the space by getting into the space they then may want to develop something to do with blockchain and then exactly builds from the ground up then which makes a lot of sense but I can't I want to take it away now from the crypto from you know all yeah. that sort of drama and talk about you and your lifestyle so how with the amount you do, it seems like you could be working 80 to 100 hours a week. So how do you yeah. manage it all? So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I did when I started, right? So I was very, I didn't look after myself, right? So when I was 16, probably to 19 to 20, I was building, 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 building. You know, more gray hairs than what a 17-year-old, 18-year-old boy should have. Uh, less sleep by at least 90% of what I should have. I was probably on it 21 hours a day, every single day, seven days a week. Now, what I realized when I got to 20, and this is when I really started being a lot more relaxed and a lot more leveraged and a lot more, dare I say, happy. Because I, when I was building, I love building. Like, it keeps my brain going. Like, I will physically drop down if I don't have risk and I don't have, you know, because of the way my brain operates and the chemicals in my mind. But what happened was in 2020, I had this realization. I was like, well, there's two things that can happen here. The first one is I start looking after myself and I can enjoy the freedom, the money, the people I'm going to meet. 
Or number two is I continue and I'm going to be dead by 50 or something, you know, because of the amount of stress that was building up internally. I don't know about you, but if you're on your deathbed, you would pay, you'd pay any amount of money to have another week, Every, all the money you've got, right? It doesn't matter about the cash that you make. It's the impact you're having and how you're able to use that to help other people and have a better life, a less carefree life. I'm not saying to the point where I would literally sit down and like not have to care about money and just play Call of Duty all day because I'm, I'm bored to the point where, you know, I don't have to worry about things and, and I can help other people and I can do what I want to do, but, I, but, but have passion projects because I'll always have something to do. I'll always work, but it's that internal feeling of stress is what eventually will kill you, you know? Um, not worrying what's going on, uh, not worrying what's going on removes that. Okay, and not worry about cash, not worry about. It. There's always going to be worries. But equally, so my, my my lifestyle is is very leveraged. So so I do um, I do sort of party a lot. <laughs> I party a lot on the weekends. I love it. I, I I went through the stage of locking phones away in the morning, not looking at it till dinner time. I now believe I got to a point, and we've got to a point where. I can enjoy the fruits and still continue growing the company because there's other people that we're working with in the company that are going through the phase of building, 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 and that's helping us. It's helping our company. It's helping them. They're leveraging us. We're leveraging them. Works, right? Now, what it is, is I'm very, very big on mind, very big on spirituality and very big on tracking health. So what I do is now I'll, every single morning I'll train 7 a.m., non-negotiable. Go straight to the sauna or the steam room. Stay there. I call that the thinking time. I'll sit in the sauna, think an hour. Bear in mind, before I used to sit down at 6 a.m. in the morning, every morning, maybe half past five in the morning. I don't sit down on my desk now, unless I'm on a fantastic podcast like this, until okay. probably 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock yeah. in the morning. I do some deep focus work, probably until about 1 p.m., go get some dinner. Sometimes don't even do anything on the afternoon. I get to Wednesday. It's like hump day. I'm like, right, okay. Thursday, Friday, like... Friday, Thursday is what I call them. I just don't do any work. <laughs> you know, the, the company's still operating, but I don't do anything, right? And and what it is, is that's me being able to leverage what's been built. And what happens is I'm able to, I'm still thinking about things on that day, but I'm, I'm looking after myself. I'm working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm looking after myself Thursday, Friday. I'm still on the days of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, going to the sauna, the steam room, getting thinking time in, having, listening to audio books, what what's happening is I'm I'm becoming a lot more healthy. Okay, eating the better things, taking vitamins, um, meditating twice a day, really really important. Going on walks, and I'm sleeping a lot better, tracking my sleep, drinking less coffee. So there's all these different things that that have changed in the way I operate. And I'll tell you right now, I make more money. <laughs> I make more money right now from working Monday to Wednesday. And then not doing anything till the following Monday. And then what I did working seven days a week, because I'm able to manage my mind and the decisions that I'm making day to day better. I was making very, very frantic decisions before in the interest of time, working seven days a week, 21 hours a day, that were making, creating more time, uh, sorry, less time and more work for myself and more stress for myself, which was ultimately decreasing my health because of not being able to think okay if i'm able to take myself away and have cpu time and think execution is a lot better and it's done by other people which is fantastic i think thinking time like you said when you go into the sauna and you have that thinking time 
is one of the most important things in life that people no longer have. Like for me, I, I started when I moved over here because of the nature of the work that I do, I'm doing a lot of thinking, I'm doing a lot of reading. My mind is nonstop. So I have to take time a few days a week where I sit for 20 minutes in a sauna. Can't take your phone because your phone will overheat. You can't take your earphones because they'll yeah. probably switch off eventually. You literally are sat there with your own thoughts and that is all. I can't name another time of day, any point in life where you will have that time. And I think most people, that's what, one thing most people miss out on is just having time with you and your thoughts. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's such a powerful thing to be able to just strip back things that you might have previously thought about and thought, well, what could I have done different? Reflection. You know, I'm very big on reflection, very big on every morning writing a to-do list, every morning sitting there and meditating for 10 minutes. You know, people think I'm crazy, but uh, it really does help. And the main thing is, is I'm very much anti the whole million dollar morning, five hour sort of uh, 5 a.m. start. I'm very anti that because I, I, I know it's not what you need. Maybe it's to get you going, but thinking and decisions is very important. I've got probably 20 of these exact same tops because every single morning I get up and I don't want to make a decision on what I'm going to wear today. I wear this hat in different colours because you, decisions are so important to success. People think that, well, if I'm making the decision, and it even goes as low as like, if you've got a multiple different uh, different things to eat for your breakfast every morning, right? you got bagels, you've got toast, you got cereals, you've got bars, whatever. Um, go into the, the cupboard every single day and wake up and think, mm, what am I going to have today? You've lost a decision. Lost Steve, a decision. Then, Steve then you Jobs. Grow. Yeah. yeah, Steve Jobs, uh, what's it called? Decision fatigue. He wore the same black T-shirt and blue jeans for most of his life because he was like, it's one less decision I have to make in a day which could result in decision fatigue. Like for me, I am boring as shit. I eat the same food every day. I may switch up the meal timings and what have you. And, you know, I pretty much wear the same clothes every day because I can't be asked to make those extra decisions that will eventually be the causal factor for me to tick over and probably end up fatigued, which is where then I cannot do what I want to do. Exactly, exactly. You're right. It's like health for me is one of the, the, the biggest things in terms of longevity and what I'm doing, like especially with what I'm doing now, there's a lot of work that has to go into it. So I have to focus on my health. So you say you work out seven days a week. Like how do you, do you not get fatigued from that? Does that not like, do you not feel like you're overdoing it sometimes? So I think there's a difference between very, very high exertion uh, activities so I probably really exert energy and really, yeah, I really, really go hard on the training three or four times a week, right? But then I'll go to yoga one day a week, okay, which might be not even 300, 400 calories or whatever, you know, and then highs might be like 900 calories. So going on a walk, right? So I'm doing some form of activity every single day. Non-negotiable, I go at seven o'clock most days um, because if I know I'm going for a big walk or whatever, or I'm going to yoga, it might be at like 11 o'clock, right? But equally, it's so important to to train. It just is so important. It doesn't mean you have to go out and be a boxer or uh, do Kung Fu or whatever 
you know, that, that really exerts a lot of energy. What it means is if you're keeping your mind and your body active, you're able to think clearer and you're able to mentally feel better. And, uh, you know, I party a lot on the weekends uh, because I absolutely love going to, to party. <laughs> it's just great. Uh, with my friends, it's a social time. But non-negotiable, I'll go, I will go and train Monday morning. I'll be there, you know. And on non-negotiable on a Sunday, I'll be going to yoga, whatever. Saturday, I'll be going stretching, you know. So there's there's all these different things you can do. That doesn't mean you have to be absolutely killing your body every day. But the main thing is, is you're keeping your body and your mind going. Um, and, and that's what leads to, I would say, there's a, there's a common denominator a lot around the most successful high achievers. They all exercise, non-negotiably. Speak to Stephen Bartlett, Grant Cardone, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. They all, they all succeed through uh, exercise. 100%. But obviously there's the exercise, which is like that. I feel like that is what gets you going in a day. That's what you know sets the, sets the tone for the day. But what do you do to switch off? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say I'd sit there and do reading. Uh, I just don't. Like, that's what they'll tell you to do. Uh, generally, what I'll do is I'll go up and I'll just watch some YouTube, uh, listen to some podcasts or whatever. Not even that. Sometimes uh, sometimes just watch a bit of Netflix, play a bit of Call of Duty with my friends. Like, it sounds like you, you, I'm, I'm breaking every entrepreneurial rule possible. But uh, I do love playing on the PlayStation. Nice release. Um, I don't do it too late because it does affect my sleep. Uh, and now I'll get up and go to bed at the same time every single day. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's, I suppose, my release is just sitting and doing things that just have no real value, I suppose. Do you find it easy to switch off from the work that you do? No, I didn't use to. I didn't use to at all. So I used to... Um, it's funny because I used to go to sleep and wake up with a solution that I've dreamt about, which is a very, very bad way to live because, you know, you end up just thinking about work 24-7. Now, uh, yes, I, I would dare I say because because the, the, the velocity of work that I'm... So, no, this is the thing. The velocity of my time I'm spending on this stuff is a lot less, right? But the output is a lot higher because of leverage. Now, what happens here is you have a lot more thinking time. So you have a lot more time to be able to manage your mind, be able to relax and go to sleep, watch the football, whatever, watch the World Cup. You know, I probably spent all last week watching the World Cup, but everything still continues, you know? So so for me, it's able to leverage other people's time to do more of what you want to do that helps you, allow you allows you to, to be able to sit back and relax and look after yourself, which is really important. And that's for me since I was 20 year old, you know, 23 now, is what's been allowing me to look after my health and be able to, you know, switch off a lot more over the last three years, I would say. So what's the what's the end goal? What's the when you you get to 70, 80, whenever yeah. it may be, what is the end goal? So I'll tell you. And I'll put this out. Like my mission is to is to build a bank, okay? So a bank that not only funds companies but also lends out to people who need cash, right? So I'm in the process of creating a bank right now. It's going to be a five year project, 
be a decentralized bank. So that me in terms of business is 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 the end goal, right? <laughs> is creating a bank and, and having a bank. Um, very high, very high goal, but um, you gotta be crazy enough to think it. Now, there's a lot of other things that I want to achieve in in my life that will help me feel made up and help me feel like I've done enough. Number one is being able to travel, take my family traveling, retire members of my family, um, you know, which will happen. Um, I, you know, effectively mean that, you know, my kids will never have to work a day in their life. Uh, my family won't. Um, and, and that's their choice if they want to do that. So that's another mission of mine personally, um, is to help them do that. And then a bigger thing, building things bigger than yourself. So helping underdeveloped countries grow into something uh, bigger, provide more opportunity. Uh, places like Tanzania, places like Africa, being able to build energy, give them access to a bank, um, you know, have an impact on these places that really, really do struggle um, in the day-to-day essentials that we take for granted, right? Um, so building schools, building, um, you know, places people can get clean water, uh, building, you know, places people can eat or whatever, making, uh, I'd love to, I would love to be able to have enough liquidity to manipulate an entire market to drive the price of it down so much that it then soon became available to everybody as a, as a basic necessity. So if something, for example, was worth, I don't know, $25, for example, that was a basic necessity, if I had enough liquidity to drive that down and create enough supply that the, the, there was it was $1 to do that and therefore it opened it up to X amount more of the world, that would be fantastic. You've got to have billions of dollars to do that. Um, but I would love to do that. And that, that's another mission, you know, phil, I suppose a, phil, a philanthropic mission of mine is, is to do that, you know, um, a lot of liquidity. Got to have the bank to do that as well. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a lot bigger than me. I think what it is that we're, uh, that we're creating uh, within the, the group. So where does this like philanthropy, philanthropic mindset come from um i suppose there's the there's struggles along the way right you, you pick up different things you know i i would never ever ever remotely ever put myself into the unfortunate category of growing up because of people a lot worse off uh, than i than i was and am um you know people that don't have basic needs but everyone has their own struggles, right? You know, my, one of my struggles growing up was was not realizing that I actually had ADHD and and um, struggling through school and and feeling different and not and not being able to understand why um, I was told to read a hundred page textbook textbook when I could find the answer in five minutes on on the phone and you know there's a there's a, a greater deeper meaning to what we're doing here because of, of personal experiences you know i know there's people like me out there that will crash and burn because of them being eaten alive by uh, the society as we see it today you know and that's not me getting um you know overly overly political about it because i'm not really a political person all it is is me taking life experiences that i've had and realizing there's going to be people that are similar to me that don't make it out the other side. I'm not saying that I've made it out the other side, but equally what I will say is I would say I'm on a good path to do that. And I don't think 
um, many people that felt like I did at certain points will be able to pull themselves out of that pit, you know, grab things by the balls when they leave school and, you know, do a university two-year course in six weeks and then, uh, you know, leave a corporate company, young start companies and fail, get told that nothing was going to happen because you failed and then create companies that, are, you know, two companies that reach over, you know, a million dollars revenue very easily. Um, well, not easily, but uh, like that, right? You know, that's that's my roadmap. But I know for a fact that some people will not have that same opportunity. And me opening up them opportunities is it feels almost a a must to be done. You know, what would you say to people who want to start businesses and stuff like you said? You know, start businesses and fail them. But I feel like a lot of people, especially in the UK, have this huge fear of failure. So how did yeah. you deal with fear of failure and how did you get past it? Just keep going. I mean, I always have this analogy and I say this to everybody in the company is like, you know, throw enough at the wall and eventually one will stick, right? Failure isn't a bad thing. It just means that you validate another thing that you, sh- you don't need to do again or don't need to try again, right? You know, it's not telling you that you're rubbish or you, you, you're not not worthy of, of the greater um you know riches of life but what it is is just telling you not to do it again <laughs> you know um there's not a single person on planet earth that hasn't failed and hasn't tried and and you know 100 percent of the people that have success been successful have been failures as well 100 percent, because your chances of failure are a lot more higher than your chances of success but it's like diversification. It's about debt leverage. Again, if you're able to throw enough that sticks at the wall and live the riches of the ones that stick and then leverage other people's stickiness as well, you know, so that when they throw things at the wall, you take some of what that sticks for them and they take some of what sticks for them. It sounds really, really base-layer and stupid, but it, it's, it's what it is. It's scale. If you have multiple people who have their own goals, and they're throwing as many things at the wall as possible to stick, and you're able to then take advantage of some of them things that are sticking while giving them things that they're trying to do themselves, you end up with this ball of stickiness that is um, is very successful for you and for the people that are working for you. But that is probably how to explain it to a, a five-year-old. Like That's how you scale, that's how you grow, and you end up in a position where someone's greater than yourself and you don't have to do anything because other people are growing it for you because of their goals um that's what i would say but anyone starting um find a coach find a mentor find someone who you trust learn the system learn the basic principles of marketing and sales which is the foundation of any business okay that's really important if you if you understand how to attract clients close clients retain clients and then also get referrals from clients you will never, ever, ever need to do any marketing ever again. Never. Because it takes care of itself. And that's the basic principle of growing any business. Attraction, closing, retention, referral. Really important. So you mentioned there about obviously finding mentors and finding people to have around you that can push you sort of in the right direction. But how do you find those people? Because not obviously not everyone has people around them that are highly motivated, have been there and done it and succeeded. A lot of the time people are in situations where they don't know anyone like that. They don't know how to meet people like that. 
So how do you find these kinds of people and create this circle of positivity and, you know, success? So there's two types of people, right? Number one is an impulsive, okay? I love, I love, I'm an impulsive myself, but it, it can get you in bad, in bad scenarios sometimes if you screw up. And there's also, there's a strategic, right? And there's a bit more of a sort of, I mean, they're both strategic to some extent, but, you know, there's a more cautious type of individual. If I was a more cautious type of individual, what I would do is I would go on Facebook. I would, I would first of all, I would send my own network. Is anyone I've worked with in the past, I've seen in the past. If you don't have anyone, you may have been in a corporate job and just not be aware of what's out there. Go on Facebook, maybe you can create a new Facebook, more professional Facebook or LinkedIn. I, I use Facebook if you want coach because most of the coaches are on Facebook, right? Now, start joining communities, start going into groups. You'll find multiple coaches every single day, right? Find one or two, connect with them, let them do their sales pitch to you, okay? Or maybe just don't, or just follow them, just try to be friendly with them. Now, person number one will find that coach, do a little bit of due diligence and just say, right, okay, here's 5,000 pounds, teach me. That can get you into some bad scenarios, can be taken advantage of, but it also means that if you do find the right one, you, you're full steam ahead and you're making money, all right? That's why people do sometimes get burned, but it's very, very important. I, I've, I've wired someone $50,000 before um, after an hour conversation over the phone uh, that I never met an hour before that conversation because I'm impulsive, right? Um, it, it, it's... It, it, it worked, but you get to you get to a point with coaches where you just know what the good ones are and what the bad ones are. And I'll, I'll tell you the characteristics in a moment. Anyway, um, so number person number two, what they do is they get on the phone with this person, let them pitch it to them or don't, or tell them I'm not looking for it right now, but what it, what is it you offer? Over time, build your trust. Sit there a month, two months, three months, four months, six months, whatever, however long you feel, to the point where you think right, okay, this person's here to stay. I want to make a change in my life. This is the only person that I, I believe is there, able to help me to get there. Then take the leap. But equally, you know, when you do take the leap, try and get the, the risk reversed anyway, you know? Try and say to them, well, what, what kind of guarantees have we got in place here that, that, that protects me? And, you know, I really want to work with you. Um, characteristics of a good, a good coach, in my opinion, is, is major community. People are saying great things, engaging in the community. Um, and also you've got, you know, people who have got the results and are not afraid of a guarantee, you know, not afraid of a guarantee and saying, right, okay, well, if this doesn't happen I and mean, you don't get this big result that, you know, I, you, you, I can offer to you and you're looking for, um, you know, you'll get your money back or you'll stay with us until you do. Um, it just de-risks things. And I'd say that's the best way to do it. But if you want to find a coach, Facebook's the best way to go in my opinion. Or, you know, you find a lot on YouTube. Um, but I prefer Facebook because it's a lot more personal, personable and a lot more, you're, you're able to access the person easily that you want to work with. A lot of the YouTubers are very, very big now. They have uh, gatekeepers. They have people who take the sales calls and, um, you know, you'll very rarely speak to them ever, you know, other than when you're in the program and you're on a and a call, which will be a group of 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 of you, you know. So what makes a good coach? So being sure of the self enough to give you a guarantee, that's number one. Um, someone who's able to use their community uh, for the greater good, you know. So uh, running running events for them to help them for free and, and like, you know, helping them to go out and get their own clients uh, on their own and then potentially buy their product down the line. 
Um, you know, that, that for me, someone who's a really, really good coach is someone who gives out the best value for free and then charges for the implementation of it. So it's almost like saying, yeah, this is how you do it. This is what you need to do. If you want me to do this for you, I'm going to do it. Number one person could say, okay, well, I will go down the road and I'll buy all these books. I'll go to YouTube and I'll try and learn it myself. It might take me two years to do that and make all the mistakes. Person number two might make, okay, well, you know what you're doing. I'll pay you five grand. Let's get going. It's a 16-week program. You can implement it with me and for me. And um, at the end of it, you've, you've got a fully functioning business. Uh, they're the two types of things. I prefer the latter, where I give someone the money and then they help me to do it or, or just do it for me. You know, um, I've been using uh, Rudy Moyer quite a lot, which is a really online, good online market. I think it's great, fantastic marketing, great community, great customer service. Um, they've been building funnels, doing advertising, uh, you know, fantastic. That's a shout out. And that, that's completely, you know, not even sponsored at all. But, uh, you know, I uh, I use them quite a lot, right? Um, they're a lot bigger than a lot of these single coaches that you find. Uh, but equally, everyone has their own leads that they're playing. And, and for me, uh, someone who you can get a testimony from, you know, someone you know that might have worked with them, uh, that, that makes a good coach and, and someone that can, you know, be patient with you and, and coach you along the way uh, to what your needs are. I think that's a, what one of the hardest things, I think, is to find a very good coach and also a very good mentor that can sort of push you in yeah. the right direction. Um, but yeah. I think, obviously... For general population, it's not as easy as just paying someone to do it and just get it done for you. So I think for them, it's obviously more that route of, you know, someone just to guide you in the right direction and to more a mentor role than an actual coach, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, I think what you're saying is like absolutely incredible. But I kind of want to start to finish up and sort of see where you want to take your business so with your obviously you said you wanted to create a bank and stuff but where with the businesses you have now and you know the LA rain enterprises where do you want to take that in the next five to ten years so i mean there's this one north star right so the north star for me is the bank okay if, if i have the bank and we have the ability to lend up to five billion to ten billion a month the bank means we can lend to companies that are in the early stage. We can invest in companies in the early stage, right? We can then develop for these companies because they've got money to pay us to do development, right? Um, we can then recruit for these companies and it's a self-fulfilling thing, right? So the North Star is the bank. Yeah, obviously that's gonna have its own sort of, uh, you know, abilities in itself, not just within, I suppose, just within blockchain, it'll be a decentralized bank. Um, but part of that will be, a, you know, the venture capital fund uh, to invest in equity and in tokens and in NFTs. Uh, and then we'll be lending side where we're lending to companies, um, you know, that are doing solar, that buy hotels, that are doing tech in, in, in the physical world. Um, so that's the North Star, because that's what makes up everything tick. You know, you got that North Star, everything else falls into place. And you've got five successful businesses underneath that that will thrive because of that. So... That's where things are going. I would say in five to ten years, the you know the bank will, will definitely be up. Um, it'll be definitely up and running. We'll have a lot of partners, many shareholders, um, many many more developers in development company. Um, we will be placing a lot more developers and tech talent into these technical companies because of 
um, you know, them needing to recruit, you know. Uh, the reason why we created the recruitment company because I was recruiting so much for the development company. The guy I was using to recruit, I just went into business with him. I just said, look, let's create scalingblockchain.io and help companies bring these uh, these companies, uh, these developers and these technical talents in-house instead of using agencies, okay? So, so the idea is the North Star, and again, it all starts with education. Because if you don't have education, you don't know where to create a company, right, in the space. A lot of our stuff, other than the uh, the develop, the, sorry, the education company, that's B two C. That the education company, we have done B two B stuff and corporate stuff to teach corporates about it. But it's B two C. When I say B C, I mean business consumer or business customer. Okay, so people like you and I are. Um, you know, the average sort of person who goes in and buys a product. When I say B2B, I mean business to business, right? So it all starts with education. So say, for example, if you've got someone, a single person who comes in and gets educated about blockchain, about crypto, and they say, right, okay, I want to build a, um, a new metaverse or something like that, right? They might then come to us because they trust us and say, right, okay, well, you know, you guys fund companies, the bank, right? You, you want to invest in equity. In, in, for 10% of my company, you want to give me a million quid. Right. We might then say to them, OK, yeah, we'll do that. Um, you guys are fantastic. We believe in you. Uh, we'll give you a million quid. You go, right. OK. On that on that basis, you need to use them as then go through, uh, you know, the acceleration of companies. Right. So we would develop for them. OK. Then we would help them with marketing and growing. And then we would help them with the recruitment. And eventually they've got a million dollar plus business minimum, minimum, you know, like a minimum dollars, a million dollars a month because I wouldn't invest a million dollars in a company. If the company wasn't going to end up returning a million dollars a month, which economically probably doesn't make sense. Um, but equally, that's it's a self-fulfilling thing. We've got all these different things that have one North Star, the bank. The bank is the one crazy idea, but I feel like you're one of those guys who will pull it off and you have everything in you to make sure you pull it off, which is is great to see. Um, but one final question that I have for you is how would you like to be remembered? So I want to change blockchain in, in, and the, 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 the theory that, that crypto and blockchain or crypto is, is the only thing to ever see in blockchain. Blockchain is different things, the pack, the egg, right? So I, I want to migrate mindset and, and being remembered for, you know, leading blockchain to be written, okay? Because we'd be written into what it is of the future because you got to take into account Blockchain will be one of these technologies that we use without even knowing. So, you know, we won't even know that it's run on blockchain. Oh, yeah, that's run on blockchain. When I go to, um, I was with someone from Shopify this week. They were saying to me, well, when I use Shopify, which is like a, an e-commerce platform where you can build e-commerce and stuff um, to sell products, do I know that it's run on Ruby on Rails? No, you don't want it to know what it's made of. You just know that it works. Okay. Exactly the same thing with blockchain. We won't know the average consumer B B to B to C. They won't know that it's run on blockchain, but we will use it. Okay, uh, B to B may maybe They'll, they're going to know what the tech stack is. But equally, that's where I want to be pioneer, like pioneering this industry to where it needs to get to. I'm very very I love crypto, but I'm very pro blockchain. That's that's me. I, blockchain is where I'm at. Right. So. That's how I want to be remembered, the pioneer for blockchain and, and be remembered as one of those people that, you know, you find out of the big dot com boom, um, you know, the Jeff Bezos that have led this 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 transformation in technology to where we're going to. 
Um, and then for, for for things like you know philanthropic uh, needs and and not needs but uh, but missions, so charities, uh, investing in other companies, investing in highly talent, uh, investing in highly talented individuals to create new companies, uh, creating cities, putting up skyscrapers, driving down the price of assets to make it available to more people. Um, you know these are all things that I want to be involved with and are part of the bigger and greater mission. But I'll tell you once again. You know, if I were crazy, which I probably am a little bit, I would try to tackle these one things at once. But what you've got to think about is a North Star. That's the bank. Okay, the bank is the thing that allows me to be able to do all them things. Incredible. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, mate. I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, do you want to tell yeah, everyone good. where they can find you, how they can sort of find all your stuff? Obviously, I'll link websites below, but where they can find you, obviously, Instagram, whatever else. Yeah, I mean, I don't really use Instagram for anything other than personal and partying. Um, but uh, Instagram, Elliot underscore Rain. Um, and then LinkedIn, just Elliot Rain. Uh, and that's, yeah, my email. I'm sure you'll pull that below as well. But I'm uh, happy to come have a conversation anytime with anybody. Uh, thanks, Ethan, again. Uh, and the guys on the podcast doing a fantastic job and, and looking forward to, to continuing in the future with you guys. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you to Elliot for your time. It was a really interesting podcast, really insightful as well, especially in the world of crypto and developing a business. He really sort of opened up and I really enjoyed the conversation, especially with what he has coming up in the future. Elliot, I wish you all the success and everyone who's listening, please remember to like and subscribe if you don't because 75% of you who watch on YouTube do not subscribe to the channel. So please hit that subscribe button and share with anyone who may be interested in these kind of podcasts. Thank you for listening.